1: Well, Kathy, thank you for joining us. You're a little bit unusual in that uh, right now you've got under uh, management, so to speak, a mere $45 million.
0: For those of you who don't recognize her, her name's Kathy Wood. And like Steve Forbes pointed out during this interview in 2015, at the time she was only managing $45 million, which is a small amount for a fund manager to be managing. But things were soon gonna change for Kathy Wood. In a few short years, she went from being unknown and managing a small amount of money to becoming one of the most well-known fund managers in the world. She founded ARK Invest, her investment firm that she describes as solely focused on disruptive innovation. And she's been very consistent. That was her same focus when she first started.
1: So indexes are where they are because of what has happened historically. So over the last 30 years, you know, we've had some very big companies grow up, evolve and grow into the biggest companies in, in these indexes. Um, the world we're going into is much different, we think, than the world that we've just left. And that's because, and this gets into disruptive <coughs> innovation and why we formed Arc.
0: Disruptive innovation. That is the purpose for ARK Invest. Kathy Wood created it to give you an opportunity to invest in these disruptive companies. She believes that we've left this old world and that we're entering into this new world that's going to be ran by newer, innovative, disruptive companies. And she believes that investors that don't focus on these new companies, well, they're going to be left out. And she may be correct. ARK manages five different ETFs, and each of them focuses on a different area of innovation. The performance of them has been nothing short of phenomenal. Over the past year, the ARK FinTech ETF, focused on the financially disruptive companies, has returned 102%. The ARK Genomic Revolution ETF has returned 179%. This is focused on those disruptive healthcare companies. The ARK Next Generation Internet ETF, focused on disruptive internet companies, has returned 148.66%. And the ARK Autonomous Technology and Robotics ETF has returned 101%. And then her flagship fund, the ARK Innovation ETF, has returned 146.5%. Now, keep in mind, while all the ARC funds are returning above 100% for the year, the S&P 500, which is the broader market, has returned 15.29% year-to-date. The outperformance of the ARC funds to the broader market is insane. She is crushing the broader market. And this isn't just limited to the S&P 500, and it's not limited to 2020. She's also crushing tech-focused index like the QQQ, the NASDAQ 100. She's beat the NASDAQ 100, the QQQ, and she's beat the S&P 500 by a tremendous amount over the past five years. The performance of ARK Invest is phenomenal. And it continues to be phenomenal. 2020 was a year that it broke out into the stratosphere. Look at her performance of her flagship fund compared to the QQQ or the S&P 500. So far, since its inception, ARK Innovation Funds has returned 615%. The QQQ has returned 232%. And the S&P 500 has returned 111%. Whatever you say about Kathy Wood, there's one thing for certain. As of now, she is decimating the broader market. And this outperformance, rightfully so, has earned Kathy Wood a lot of clout, a lot of notoriety, and a lot of popularity. She's been in major publications and has earned the respect of the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg and CNBC and other major outlets. And all of this popularity and notoriety has attracted a lot of new investors to ARK funds over the past year. The amount of inflows into these funds has increased dramatically. The trading volume is huge. It's beating out companies like Netflix and Disney. Investors are piling into ARK Invest funds as fast as they can. They're throwing as much money into it as fast as they can. And this has grown her assets under management significantly. She's no longer managing $45 million. Now in just one of her funds, her flagship fund, she's managing $8.9 dollars. So what do we make of Kathy Wood? Is she really the new stock picker of our day? Is she really the new Peter Lynch of our time? Is she going to have these great annualized returns for the next 12 years? And especially if we're an ARK investor, we're investing in her funds, what should we be the most concerned about? We're going to discuss all of that in this episode. Let's first start off with one of the boldest predictions that Kathy Wood made that she put her entire reputation on. She went publicly on networks like CNBC and said that Tesla was going to get to $4,000 a share. This was back in 2018, when Tesla was currently trading at $60 a share. And she defended her prediction over and over again.
1: If it walks and talks like a car, it must be a car. And so it has four wheels, it drives around, all cars will be automated with AI eventually, GM will... Everybody else trades at a 15 to 16 multiple. They trade as if every car's being shot to the sun at some stratospheric number. Yeah. Which happens first? All GM goes to a 300 PE. Or Tesla goes back to 16 because one of those two has to happen. No um, Explain that part. GM there. is a call option on the future. The future is electric GM's not electric yet, right? It's the internal combustion engine all the way uh, uh, the future is Transportation as a service software as a service uh, you need software engineers for that GM has great engineers, but they're hardware engineers. They had to go buy cruise automation to get those software engineers in Silicon Valley. Then you've got, a, a dis- so you've got two big model changes. Uh, electric, software as a service, g- gross margins going from 20 to 25, which is the hardware model, to 85, 90%, which is the software as a service model. Completely different DNA. Uh, this is where Tesla is going. There's a third problem GM has. It's called distribution.
0: She defended her predictions of Tesla early on, and she outlined specific reasons why. For instance, her saying that GM can't do these automated updates is because that's considered a service for a vehicle. And those are by law, in many cases, done at dealerships. So GM has to pick between alienating their dealerships or offering over-the-air updates. Tesla is their own dealership, so they don't have to deal with that. And while Kathy Woods explained her reasoning very publicly for why Tesla was such a great investment, most people mocked her for it. Here's some of the comments on that video two years ago, and keep in mind that Tesla's up about 900% since this video. If any of these commenters invested in Tesla, they could likely be retired at this point. Jack Nanik says, how did this woman get in charge of anyone's money? She's crazy. That's what the comments were saying two years ago, is that she's crazy. Wrong Target says, yeah, I sold my Arc after seeing this video. Now Elon goes on TV and smokes weed. Great PR. O'Larry is right on this one. Vincenzo Pei says, quote, I like the Focus. I like the Model X. What an airhead. This person's calling her an airhead and it has six thumbs up. The next one says, wow, she's full of, and then the poop emoji. Roman says, she's full of shiz, trying to pump up the stock. That's why she's probably paid these guys to be on the show and then dump the stock. Marcelo says, ridiculous proposition. The premium is too high. She's definitely a pump and dump marketer. One says, remind me not to invest any money in ARC investment management. KM Tang just laughs a bunch. Everett says, perfect example of how you can have a lot of money and be very dumb. Tesla is going broke and given this woman's acumen, I won't be surprised if her company does also. There were a few comments that were actually supportive at the time. Drinking pool water says, who knows? Maybe she's right. Tony says, I remember the old days when these same commentators were explaining to us that Apple's iPod was way too expensive to compete against Dell's MP3 player, and that Apple was in trouble. Comparing Tesla to GM, really? People need to understand the mechanics that make people camp in front of a store to drop $35,000 on a product that they haven't seen. Tony was spot on. This comment was from two years ago, and he's one of the very few that agreed with Kathy. This wasn't the only public appearance for Kathy Woods where she openly gave these seemingly outlandish predictions for Tesla. Her next one was in February of 2020, where she predicts that Tesla will reach $7,000 a share by 2024. And she believes that this is going to be caused by three main catalysts.
1: Yes, there are three sources for the increase in our estimate, our estimated price target. Uh, One is as Tesla killers entered the market last year, we expected uh, Tesla's market share to go down from 17% globally, that includes China, to something lower. Instead it went up to 18%. What we're learning is Tesla is just so far ahead of the pack, and I'm talking about the BMWs, uh, the Mercedes, uh, uh, as far as range and other important metrics when it comes to electric vehicles. Uh, their battery cost is three years ahead, three to four years ahead of any other auto manufacturer in terms of the cost declines. And so every other auto manufacturer will, if they want to be competitive with Tesla, uh, will. and I'm including BMW and Daimler and all, if they want to be competitive like for like, they will have to sell their cars at a loss at the same time they're losing their internal combustion engine business.
0: She doesn't believe that other manufacturers like BMW are in a position to be able to compete with Tesla, and she was saying this in February of 2020. And just like other previous public appearances, there's no shortage of comments of people calling her things like delusional, or nuts, or insane. There's comment after comment pointing out how crazy Kathy Wood is. But she was correct again. Since this public appearance, Tesla's up over 350%. Kathy Wood continually has had her biggest bets play out exactly like she said they will. On March 13th of 2020, Kathy Wood's called into CNBC. And this is a time period that was almost the bottom of the market during the drop after coronavirus. This is when the market was almost at its very bottom and Kathy Wood called in to say her confidence in her companies and how they're actually expanding and taking market share during this time.
1: Uh, however much we hate these these kinds of time periods, uh, very difficult for everyone. Um, we do know uh, our focus being only on disruptive innovation that innovation Gains much more traction during difficult times than it does during uh, normal times. So um, while while our stocks, especially in the last three uh, days, have uh, you know taken it on the chin with the market, we know that our companies are gaining market share. This happens in every crisis. It happened in 08, 09, and so uh, you know we are uh, leaning into uh, innovation and concentrating uh, our portfolio to either the names that have been beaten up uh, uh, relative to others or our highest conviction names
0: if you would have invested into arc's innovative etf this day when kathy wood called into cnbc to say that she had a high degree of confidence in her companies that they're taking market share your current returns would be 190 percent as of today kathy wood has been proven correct prediction after prediction so the question is if kathy wood has such good predictions if she's been correct so many times and her funds are performing so well Why don't we just invest in it? Why doesn't everybody invest in ARK Invest? That seems to be where all the money's being made. And that seems to be what most people are trying to do now. Just last month, December 11th, Kathy Wood takes the crown from JP Morgan for the largest active ETF. Now ARK Invest has a bigger active ETF than JP Morgan. JP Morgan manages over $3 trillion. This is an incredible feat. Investors are piling into Kathy Wood's ARK Invest. And that's where I want to give a warning. There's an article written by Ben Carlson, no relation there, but he says a short history of chasing the best performing funds. This is where he outlines what's happened in the past of different people piling into the best performing funds. The first thing that we can look at is the assets under management of ARK Invest. Look at this in just 2020. It went from what? $1 billion, $2 billion to $18 billion. That is an incredibly rapid growth. Investors are piling into this fund as fast as they can. And we can look at some of the examples of the past of what happened to the best performing funds after new investors pile in. Fidelity's Jerry who who is basically the first star fund manager of the go-go years of the 1960s, investors went crazy for mutual funds in general as total fund assets grew a little over one billion in 1946 to 35 billion in 1967. The rate of Ark's growth is even surpassing this. So even in this example, Ark Invest has grown more rapidly. But Cy stood out from the crowd. After a run of outperformance that began in 1958, Cy saw the number of shareholders in his fund sextuple from 6K to 36K, from 1960 to 1961. So in one year, he had six times the investors investing in his fund. After leaving Fidelity in the mid-1960s to start his own fund, Sai got crushed in the bear market of 1968 to 1970, which saw momentum stocks get killed. There was a reversal after that point. Assets fell 90%. over the next few years, as size funds would go on to have the worst eight year track record of any mutual fund in history to that point. So, this was a complete reversal of one of these all star investors. We can even look at the example of Peter Lynch, who personally, he's my all time favorite investor. Peter Lynch ruled the 1980s, and for good reason. From the late 1970s, when he took over Fidelity Magellan Fund through his retirement in 1991, Lynch returned close to 30% annually. Imagine that. 30% annual returns. This is where things get tricky. This is the breakdown between the fund's performance and the people investing in the fund. Unfortunately, the majority of investors in the fund received far less than Lynch's 29% annual gains. It's been said that the average investor in his fund earned just 7% per year, far less than the returns of the fund itself or the overall market because they rushed in after performance was good and they redeemed or sold out of the fund whenever it underperformed. So even though the fund over his tenure performed incredibly, the average investor didn't participate in all the gains. Most of them bought in after incredible performance, and they sold out when the performance dipped. Ken Hebner's CGM Focus Fund was the best-performing U.S. stock market fund from 2000 to 2009. He was named Morningstar's fund manager of the decade for the Yachts. CGM was up more than 18% annually during the last decade, which saw the S&P 500 lose close to 1% per year. The problem is investors tended to add more money after a huge year like 2007 when the fund was up 80%, and then they pulled their capital after it was down, like the 48% loss in 2008. This is the big issue with investing in these funds, with investing in funds like ARK Invest or Peter Lynch's Magellan Fund or CGM, investors buy high and sell low. That sell low, buy high strategy led to an average investor return of a loss of 11% annually. The best performing fund of the decade saw its own investors underperform the fund by nearly 30%. This is really stunning to look at. Investors do not perform as good as the fund that they're invested in. When asked about this phenomenon, Hebner replied, a huge amount of money came in right after the performance of the fund was at its peak. I don't know what to say about that. We don't have any control over what investors do. The mainstay market Field fund was a huge beneficiary of this investor demand after losing just 13% in 2008, a year in which the S&P 500 lost close to 38%. And when the fund beat the S&P 500 by 9% during the 2009 snapback rally, investors piled in at an alarming rate. Assets in the fund ballooned from just $34 million at the start of 2009 to more than $21 billion by 2014. That sounds a little bit familiar to me. Just like many of these other examples, all that money poured in just in time for the fund to underperform the market. From 2014 to 2016, that fund underperformed the market by 25% and assets left the fund as quick as they rushed in. Now, I don't know if Kathy Wood is going to outperform the market in the upcoming 10 years or underperform the market like many other examples. Maybe she will be the Peter Lynch that has great annualized 30% returns for 12 years, or she'll be like one of the many fund managers where her returns underperform the market after greatly outperforming it. This outperformance has been tremendous over the past year. Her fund has crushed the S&P 500. It's crushed basically every tech fund and assets have piled into it. But my concern and my warning to people rushing into Kathy Wood's Ark Invest now is that your biases that may lead to underperformance still exist. They exist whether you're investing in Kathy Wood's ARK Invest, whether you're investing in the S&P 500, or whether you're just buying individual companies. The urge compelling you, tempting you to buy in after the returns have been remarkable, are the same urges that are going to tempt you to sell when things reverse. If this fund ever has a downturn, a significant downturn, and it starts to underperform other indexes or other categories, investors will want to sell. That's what will happen. That is human behavior, and you have to know that going in, that you are subject to these same behaviors as everyone else. Volatility can be very rewarding or it can be scary. When the fund continues to go up 2 or 3% every single day, that is something that you can look back and see how much money you made. But as soon as things reverse and as soon as they go in the other direction, that's when you start second guessing what you're invested in. This is the same issue that investors had with Peter Lynch. Listen to how he explains he performed during market downturns. Well, hey, had this perfect record. I think the 13 years I ran Magellan, the market went down nine times, 10% or more. I had a perfect record. I went down more than the market. Every time I went down, I went down more. So I, I just didn't worry about it. The point is, would you say to yourself, do I need this money in a year? Do I need this money in two years? Do I need this money in three years? So my Longer term, stock market's been the best place to be last 10 years, last 30 years, last 130 years. But if you need the money in one or two years, you shouldn't be buying stocks. You should be in a money market fund. Peter Lynch highlights the volatility in these actively managed funds. During his tenure over the Magellan Fund, the market went down over 10%, nine different times, and every single time that happened, his went down more. All nine times. Imagine the feeling that gave investors in the Magellan Fund. They probably thought this is a lousy place to be. He really doesn't know what he's doing. He was just investing during a bull market, during a high. That's why many of the investors in the Magellan Fund would buy high and sell low. So I'm not trying to discourage you from investing in ARK Invest. I think that Kathy Woods is an exceptional person and a remarkable investor. And I think that the returns of ARK Invest speak for themselves. My biggest concern and my warning to investors jumping into ARK Invest now is, are you going to stay invested when there's a reversal? when there's volatility, when the fund starts to underperform the broader market? Or are you going to be one of the many who will want to jump back out of the fund? If you believe that you're not going to be able to stay invested, you shouldn't invest in the first place. The way that people underperform their fund is by buying high and selling low. And right now, a lot of people are buying high. So that is my thoughts on ARK Invest. That is the warning that I'm giving out now. Let's go ahead and move on to my portfolio. This is my personal portfolio, the Passive Income Account, which is mostly a kind of value dividend growth investing account, but really it's companies that I think are the highest quality companies that will pay me a growing stream of revenue over time. I've been sharing this week by week publicly for over two years now. So if you want to see this progress over time, if you want to see the good and the bad, the months that I do really well, like last month when I earned 6.47%, or the months where i'm in the red i'm going to show it all here on this channel so if you like this type of content if you like the commentary in these type of videos make sure to subscribe like the videos share them with friends so other people find out about them now let's go ahead and go into the passive income account this has been a really great month not only have i earned ten thousand dollars in gains 6.47 percent which is like three times the s p 500 we've also gained 500 dollars in dividends So this has been a portfolio that's provided a lot of capital gains and a big stream of revenue, a big stream of income at the same time. If I'm earning $500 a month in dividends, that's an actual substantial amount of money. And I know that not every month is going to be this high, But that's the goal, and I think I'm going to be there very quickly. A lot of these companies that have been cutting their dividends or they've been freezing their dividends, I think when the vaccine's distributed, when the coronavirus is gone, and they can resume business as normal, they'll resume their dividend. One of the biggest winners over the past three months is Disney. This stock is up like crazy, and I've been buying it this whole time. I still think that Disney's a buy, even at 180. So people asking me if I think the stock is now overvalued, I think that Disney has so much potential, so much intellectual property, that I think it will continue to do well in the future. Another one that's helped out with the gains is Apple. This is an obvious one. I think that everybody should have Apple somewhere in their portfolio. It is one of the best companies, if not the best in the world. And it's constantly innovating and creating new products and refining their products and creating services. And I don't see Apple going away anytime soon. Their revenue is expected to continue to grow over time. There's rumors of them competing with Tesla. Tesla, there's just a lot of potential with Apple, even at its current price point. One of the underdogs in the portfolio is AT&T. This is a company I have mixed feelings on. It's been mismanaged for so long that it's a question of when it can possibly turn around, if ever. But we got some good news. Credit to one of my Discord members for sharing this with me. But AT&T got a lot of downloads on their HBO Max app when they released Wonder Woman direct to streaming. You can look at this graph here and it shows that they got over 650,000 downloads and they attribute that just to Wonder Woman, which beat out Hamilton and Milan and Seoul. Another illustration that tracks the daily downloads shows this huge spike in downloads when the movie Wonder Woman was released. So even though right now I'm in the red with AT&T by $500, I plan on just holding this stock and see where it takes me in 2021 because I think their direct-to-streaming movie release strategy might cause a lot of subscriptions to HBO Max. I'm not positive with this. We'll find out over time. But if it continues on like it did with Wonder Woman, I think we might get a lot of HBO Max subscriptions. So this is what my portfolio's top holdings look like Going into 2021, we have Apple still at the top. We have Disney, JP Morgan, Store Capital, Wind Resorts, a healthcare ETF, and then Costco. And if Costco continues to trend downwards because of the reopening of the economy, I'm probably going to buy more Costco. But as of right now, this is what my top holdings look like, and I think it's a very strong set of companies. So I hope you guys have enjoyed being able to track this portfolio and watch it over time. I plan on continuing to show it week by week, multiple times a week, and I plan on making as high quality of content for you as possible. So I appreciate everybody that subscribes, everybody that likes the videos, everybody that comments. Whether it's criticisms or questions or, you know, funny memes, whatever it is, I appreciate all of you guys greatly for being a part of this. It's been really fun to be able to make videos for you and share my thoughts on this crazy world we live in. And I look forward to doing it in 2021. I plan on making so much content and making it higher quality. I just am really excited about it. So I'll end here for today. We'll have questions and emails in the next episode, and I'll talk to you guys soon.